Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications Connect to more. We should be together, babe. But we're not. I play it off, but I'm dreaming of you. And I'll keep my cool, but I'm fading. I try to say goodbye. And I choke. I try to walk away. And I stumble. happened to Macy Gray. She was she was like Grammy award winning for a minute in time and then kind of disappeared. It's crazy when that happens to people. I also love that Tommy's sitting back there playing Macy Gray on a daily sports talk show. We just we keep setting the bar here, right Thomas? That's exactly right, Coulter. There are far more bizarre or awful things that have happened in radio. And I would argue that what we're doing here and you know what I'm doing is top notch. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I know this is true. We have the most diverse set of music and the most diverse set of music opinions on this show of any sports talk show on the planet Earth. And if you don't like it, I don't care because that's the number one thing I like about doing this. <laughs> I mean, we were we were having the, the the like the 1980s Bronx New York recap with Regime the other week. We were listening to yeah, Eric. We were listening to Eric B and Rakim. We were listening to like old school Prince, like deep yeah. cuts. Good stuff. As good as it gets, man. He should be the official music director of this show. I don't think. Well, we might actually be hearing some more Macy Gray. I don't know. We're probably we probably wouldn't hear a lot of the other stuff though, too, because I don't know how much. Uh, I shouldn't say that. He definitely doesn't like Dave Matthews. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, just another thing that makes regime sane, unlike oh, you. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, Statewide TV, SWX, Montana Television.
Welcome in. Hour number two, Nuanez Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. A little change of the lineup, but that's what we're good at around here. Sean Rainey now is going to be joining us for just a, the next few minutes, talking all things NFL draft. It was a great NFL draft, and we haven't really had a chance to recap much of it because we were off the air all week last week. So we'll probably get into a little bit more of this on Wednesday as well, but just wanted to have uh, a little bit of a follow-up. So, Rainey, before we get into some of our uh, winners and losers in this year's NFL draft, what was your overall impression? Because to me, I thought the first round, particularly the first 15 to 20 picks, were filled with as a much as much drama and intrigue as maybe any we've seen in recent years. Yeah, I mean, obviously when you have that many quarterbacks going in the top 15 or whatever, um, you're going to have some movers and some shakers, and those are going to kind of be the you know the headliners. Obviously, you know, draft day also had the, uh, the whole Aaron Rodgers saga that was kind of in the, the backdrop as well. But I think a lot of teams did very well as far as, you know, strategically moving up to get who they needed and moving down because they they didn't need a certain guy at a certain spot. So you move down, you collect picks, and you end up getting kind of who you wanted later on. I thought a lot of teams did uh, very, very well um, on the, the first day in particular. Um it's kind of hard to judge obviously these um, as the farther we go in, in the rounds. And it's, this is like what we've, what you and I have talked about with signing classes when it comes to, you know, college teams, like sure. Everything, this signing class could look good on paper, but you just, at the end of the day, you just never know, but we can only evaluate what we can. And to this point, um, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of teams, uh, there weren't too many head scratching moments on day one. Where I feel like sometimes, there's a lot more um, head scratching moments where I'm like, man, I not, don't really like that pick. There was a few of them in the first round, but for the most part, I think teams are pretty good. I had to wonder too, if maybe there was an element of uh, more precise scouting for a variety of reasons. One, maybe you were doing it more uh, virtually. I don't know if that's better or worse, but I also think maybe some of the scouting departments weren't spread as thin because there wasn't as much football to watch. And you kind of knew that you had some of these top heavy teams on some of these top-heavy conferences, and that's always the case, at least the last couple of years, where the glut of the first-round picks are going to come from the SEC and the Big Ten, but it seemed like they were even more honed in on on evaluating the prospects. And, and even w- with a guy like Trey Lance going number three or, or Zach Wilson going number two, I think that there was even more justification for those moves than maybe in previous years, maybe a little bit less uh, – naysayers about those moves. So, I mean, do you agree? Do you think that maybe, uh, I don't know, it's just one or the other, right? It's either they had a lot more poignant scouting or maybe we've just reached this point where there isn't as much scrutiny when it comes to these top-level guys because we have so much information on them available. Well, I think, I just think that when you have the five quarterbacks, unlike in you know, a couple of years past where, you know, there's only a couple of them. I think when there's five, you just have the quarterback needy teams that it's easy to slot those in. And then that pushes everybody else down. And then there is kind of the, the, you know, quote unquote, can't miss, you know, wide receivers and Kyle Pitts. So then it just kind of slides all the other guys down into their, their needs here. So I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I, I think that just, uh, I think when you have that many quarterbacks going early, it kind of allows other teams to not have to make certain decisions about best player available and what they need because so many of those those teams already, you know, you're, you're talking about a third of the, the top 15 already just taking 
the quarterback off the board. So I think that just makes it easier on the rest of the teams. And, you know, this was kind of a weird draft as far as there was not a lot of, you know, defensive linemen and kind of the stud defensive guys on the front. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think there's going to be a lot of misses and a lot of, and then some steals as far as in the 15 to 30 range on the defensive side. Like when you're looking at a lot of these linebackers, like who knows, like Jamin Davis could be a stud. He could be a total bust. Like, and then, you know, could he pay? Like some of these guys, you just, I, I, I think are, um, very much unknowns. And then you have some injury guys as well that, you know, talented, but injured. Um, so I don't know. I think the the back half of the first round is going to be interesting. I think there could potentially be, you know, a lot of, a lot of busts there. Cause this was kind of like a sort of the blue chip defensive guys, not a ton in the first round, good depth, but just not a ton of those like can't miss blue chip defenders, especially off the edge. No question. Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Sports Director, joining us here on Nuanez Now, talking all things NFL Draft. Probably going to get into some more of this later on this week when Sean joins us in studio as well. Uh, but as far as the winners and losers, I know we are both kind of on the same page, Rainey, where we, we, we'd like to see a little bit of this play out uh, before we fully evaluate this stuff. But I think one team we have to say is a winner only because it seems as if they made a couple moves that writes the narrative of them being such losers is the Chicago Bears. The overwhelming NFL draft narrative for the last couple years has been Patrick Mahomes and how Patrick Mahomes slipped and how Patrick Mahomes was the number 12 overall pick and how he's now the richest and most prolific quarterback in the league. And the Bears were one of the teams that passed on him. And, oh, by the way, it wasn't for a Deshaun Watson, but instead it was for a Mitchell Trubisky. But this looks like a little bit better uh, of a scenario just in terms of the bust potential or lack thereof. The Bears trade up to number 11 to get Justin Fields. Uh, on my recent road trip, I listened to a lot of podcasts about evaluating quarterbacks and Trent Dilfer, Chris Sims, Ryan Rosillo, a lot of the, the guys that really study this stuff, they were all really high on Fields. They all think Fields is a steal at 11. But then the Bears also went out and got a couple uh, premier offensive linemen, including Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State in the second round. But but the, the narrative for the Bears kind of starts and ends with Justin Fields because it seems as if now if he hits, that could kind of put this – Mitch Trubisky bust and Matt Nagy as a bad personnel decision maker in the rear view, at least a little bit. Yeah, it's funny when you're talking about like the winners and the losers, as far as drafts, when it comes to teams that take quarterbacks, it's like, obviously if Justin Fields is good, then they won the draft. If he's not, then they are, then they completely ruin themselves. So, right. You know, like it's, it's kind of hard to like, like I thought it was a good move going up and getting him because, in the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, you're it, it's pointless, you know. So I think that teams that don't have quarterbacks should draft a quarterback every single year until they get one, until they hit on one, because it doesn't matter if you don't have one, it doesn't matter. And the Bears are a perfect example of that. They've had one of the best defenses. They've had a ton of talent over the years. They haven't had a quarterback, so they haven't been relevant. Like, so you have to make that move for Justin Fields. Was it a smart one? Well, we'll find out. If Justin Fields is good, then it was it was a great move. If he's if he's not, then then you gave up future first-round pick and a bunch of stuff to go up and get a guy who's not any good. So it'll all just depend on that. I thought it was a good move, though. I would have done it. I I like when teams are able to get um, a talented player and one that they needed and not having to to give up much or they were able to stand pat. Um, I think those are kind of the winners of the draft because otherwise otherwise it just kind of depends on if the – like Trey, like Trey Lance, like sure, like 
he could be really, really good. The 49ers gave up a lot. It's obviously just going to hinge on whether or not Trey Lance ends up being a superstar. But I kind of like like Detroit. They get Penny Sewell all the way down at seven when you take the quarterbacks off the board and he's a top two, top three pick. So like I kind of like what Detroit did getting him, and then they really get defensive linemen. They're building from the inside out. So I like what they had a, a plan of attack. I like it when teams like find their identity and they kind of draft and for what they want and what they need. And I don't know if Dan Campbell's going to be any good of a coach. He kind of seems a little bit old school. And I don't know if it's going to work, but I like kind of like their strategy and what they did in the draft. I thought the Eagles getting up uh, to get Devontae Smith at 10 was a, a really good move um, a need there. And I really like Devontae Smith. I think some of the, the things about his weight and stuff is a little bit overblown. Obviously, we've he's proven it. Like he just won the Heisman. He's a really good player. I think being able to get him at ten is a good move. But I also like what Dallas did in moving down a couple times and then getting Micah Parsons, a guy like they need defensive players. He was the best defensive player in this draft that wasn't a corner. And for them to be able to slide down, accumulate picks, and take him there was a good move. Not to be a homer, but I thought the LA Chargers in the first two rounds. Um, I, I don't know if many teams were walking away smiling more than they were because they absolutely needed an offensive tackle. And for Rayshon Slater, who you could argue might end up being the best offensive tackle, even better than Sewell, for him to fall all the way to 13, it was just a need. And for him to fall there was just, you couldn't have drafted a better scenario. And then getting Asante Samuel Jr., one of the best corners left in the second round at a position of need, I, I just it was, it was great. Um, I, I like what the Jets did. I don't know if Zach Wilson is going to be the guy, but obviously you gotta you got to take your chance on your quarterback because that's what you need in the NFL. But then I like that they traded up and got Elijah Vera Tucker as a guard. He is really, really good, and he's got that mindset that kind of like, you know, Quentin Nelson, kind of nasty type of a, a lineman there on the left side. So now you got Mekhi Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker on the left side of your offensive line, which end up, I mean, that could be the best, left side of an offensive line in the NFL. And then you get Elijah Moore, who I think is one of the most underrated wide receivers in this draft. And so I think that I really like what kind of the Jets did. Um, those are kind of the ones that pop out. I like the Giants trading down, getting Kadarius Toney. They can, you know, there's no real need. Uh, it was a kind of luxury where they were at earlier in the draft. They, you know, wasn't any like super need, super fit. And so being able to, to, Draft down with Chicago, get an extra pick, get an explosive player, Tony, I thought was good. Um, kind of my only head scratchers were, and I don't know where you stand on this, but I don't know, I'm not sold on taking running backs in the first round, and I really didn't like Jacksonville taking Travis Etienne. I just don't really understand. The whole point in, <laughs> in uh, when you hit with an undrafted free agent at running back in James Robinson is that you don't have to use any draft capital on that position for the next three, four years. So why would you hit on an undrafted free agent at running back and then use a first round pick on a running back? I just, I don't understand that one at all. It's a different, interesting piece of analysis to be sure. Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television, joining us here on Nuanez Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. And that was going to be my last question for you, Rain Man, was the fact that we did kind of have these reunitings of quarterbacks and skill players that, that played together in college, whether it was 
the Philadelphia Eagles trading up to get Devontae Smith and, and pairing him now uh, with Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. or whether it was the Miami Dolphins taking Jalen Waddle to be paired with Tua Tonga-Vailoa, or whether it was the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Travis Etienne to be paired with Trevor Lawrence. And first and foremost, I know there's been a lot of scuttle. You know, what if these guys don't like each other? I don't think Urban Meyer is going to make a draft pick, or anybody, anybody for that matter is going to make a draft pick to accompany the potential future franchise quarterback without going over with that guy, whether they get along or not. So I think that's sort of a broken narrative. But I do think mm-hmm. it's very interesting because you wonder how much the Jaguars, I mean, Trevor Lawrence knew he was going to be the number one pick for quite some time. So you wonder how much they talked to him about, hey, how bad do you want this guy? How bad could this guy help us? How bad should we prioritize this need? But I also agree that maybe the the the, the Use of draft capital is a tough one. Travis Etienne is 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 good, and I but I don't know how much better he is than James Robinson, and he has to be a lot better than James Robinson for that pick to be worth it. But I know you were tweeting about maybe the the value or lack thereof of the Steelers taking Najee Harris, and I actually liked that pick a lot more, even though it is sort of outside the the parameters of what we think is is good use of draft capital. I mean, taking him number twenty four, okay, maybe it's a reach. Maybe you don't take a running back in the first round because you can get guys like Nick Chubb and and Kareem Hunt and the variety of guys like that after the first round. But I think that Harris is a day one starter. And I also think it's pretty interesting. I was looking at some Steelers run game numbers. The Steelers have actually not been a good running team at all. They've been in the bottom third of the NFL in in rushing yards per game for like seven years in a row. I think they kind of get pinned as the old school Steelers when really they're not at all. So I kind of liked Najee Harris to the Steelers better than most most people did. But what do you think of just kind of the dynamic of pairing former college teammates with each other and how much of that is just to have, you know, the quarterbacks that are, whether they're Jalen Hurts or Tua Tagovailoa or Trevor Lawrence, just to make them happy? I mean, I don't know. I, I think I don't really read too much into it, to be honest. Like, and I, like if I'm Cincinnati, like I, I would have taken Sewell instead of Jamar Chase. Like you already have – you drafted T. Higgins early last year, and you got Tyler Boyd. Both of them are young, really good wide receivers. Like, do you really need a, a third wide receiver? Or would you rather maybe protect your young quarterback who, you know, got shellacked last year and injured because he took so many hits? Like, I, I don't know. I would have taken uh, Sewell there if I'm Cincinnati. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess there's, you know, some cohesion there. Like, I, I don't know. I like it for some. I don't like it for others. I think Dante Smith. Pairing him with Jalen Hurts, I thought that was a position of need, and he slipped down a little bit. So go up and get him. Um, I, I don't. I'm just not sold on ETN there. I, I just think that we've seen over the years that at the running back position, you can just you can take flyers on guys late, and they could end up blossoming into really good players. And so I don't think you need to take use first round picks on those guys because, like we've seen, like and that's what the they're arguing with the Steelers. They're like, well. Look at all the other running backs in the division and how good they are. Like, they have to keep up and be able to run the football. Not any of those running backs in the division were first-round picks. Like, and I think the Steelers have some issues on the offensive line, and people are like, yeah, well, then they could get offensive line later. Well, they didn't take an offensive lineman with their next pick. So, like, I, I just think that I think building from inside out is a little bit smarter, and I think that Pittsburgh's issues running the football – them a little bit more from just the running back. I mean, they're, they've been going kind of with that spread offense, five wide receivers 
and kind of just doing those inside zone runs. Like I, I think it's more of the the scheme and their identity more so than the running back per se. He's Sean Rainey, great contributor on this show. Nuana is now and the man at SWX Montana Television. You can check him out each and every day on all the variety of the uh, news broadcasts as well as SWX tonight. And he'll be back with us in studio on Wednesday. But in the meantime, thanks for pitch hitting today, Rain Man. We appreciate it, and uh, best of luck out there. We'll be talking to you soon. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to Wednesday. We will have continued NFL draft coverage and just NFL debates, conversations, all the above here on Nuana is now for the foreseeable future. That's what we do, football all the time on 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide TV, SWX Montana Television. A couple more thoughts. Rainey did mention that the Chargers were winners in this. And I, I must be clear, I didn't define what I think of as winners and losers in the draft. I It's not about... I think this guy is going to be great and change the franchise because I think there's so much that goes into that. How does Zach Wilson handle the bright lights of New York City? There's literally no way to predict that. None. No way to predict how a young man handles the newfound exposure and stardom and money that he's about to inherit. How does uh, you know a, a running back or a receiver translate to the speed of the NFL game? Is Devontae Smith too light? We literally are not going to know until we know. But I do think this is a total side note, but I do think that that is such a busted narrative because what's Marvin Harrison? About 5'11", 170 pounds. One of the greatest receivers in NFL history. Deshaun Jackson. Maybe not quite what people wanted him to be when he came out of college, but he's still been a multiple-time All-Pro and a guy that has scored 60-plus NFL touchdowns and has been in the league for more than a dozen years. Isaac Bruce, you know, not very big. Wes Welker, I know it's a different position per se, but I do think Devontae Smith will play a lot in the slot. But if you can get open and make plays in college against elite competition or just period, you watch the film, you can tell. it was no, There was no question in my mind Cooper Cup was going to be good in the NFL. It doesn't matter if he's going against FCS DBs, FBS DBs, it doesn't matter. He's going to be good in the league. Same thing with Devontae Smith. I think actually receivers this day and age because of the – Systems that they come up in in college have an even better opportunity to translate and be impactful instantly because they're running similar systems. They're they're being coached at an incredibly high level. It's not this giant jump where you got to learn how to play receiver in the NFL. You do have to learn how to play quarterback in the NFL. You got to learn how to throw guys open. You got to learn that hardly any time there's never going to be guys open. You got to learn how to play with a broken down pocket. All those things. Offensive line, you, there's, you've never gone against a guy like Khalil Mack. You never have you, until you get to the NFL. You've never gone against Aaron Donald. You never have. J.J. Watt, you never have gone against guys of that talent level. So you have no idea how that's going to go. Receiver-wise, though, even though you might never have gone against Patrick Peterson or Darrell Revis or you know, an insert great corner here, you still know all the different ways to get separation. You know the complexity of the route trees. You know how to run option routes. That was something that was a huge transition for a long time. In, in college, you don't maybe only have a couple options on your option route, and, then, and there was not these route trees. Well, now everybody's running the same stuff. Everybody's running across the board the same stuff. So I do think that some of the most surefire picks of that first round were the receivers, whether it was Jamar Chase going to the Bengals, 
Jalen Waddle going to the Dolphins. Devontae Smith going to the Eagles. I think all those guys are, are pretty money picks. But here and over there, I, dra- I judge draft grades or winners and losers based on if it was the right pick at the right time. In other words, like Sean just mentioned, the Detroit Lions. They need a quarterback, sure. I mean, it depends on what you think of Jared Goff. I think he's a little bit better than most people think he is. But he's okay. Is Justin Fields better? I, I think so. I, I do. Is Mac Jones better? I'm not sure. I don't know if you take that risk. But I almost guarantee you, borrowing a, a just disaster, that Panay Sewell from Oregon is going to be at least a good, if not really great, offensive tackle. So that's a good pick by the Lions. To, even if you want to say, hey, Jared Goff sucks, you should have gone somewhere else, it's still a good pick. Uh, just like I think that the Chargers getting Rashawn Slater at 13, no-brainer. You have to have an offensive tackle. doesn't matter if he's the first, second, or third best. He's got a first-round grade. You take him. You get Asante Samuel in the second round. I, you take him, too. I think that those are both uh, good Pick. So I would I would say that the Bears, the Chargers, those teams, they had the, even the Lions, they had good drafts. The other team I thought that a lot of experts, quote unquote, had having a really good draft that I didn't think necessarily had a, a, as good of a draft as maybe it is uh, being projected is the New York Jets. I think that I put a lot more into this than I think a lot of people, including NFL personnel, puts into it. And maybe it's me being old school, or maybe it's me showing my age, but I just think that you have to have a special sort of charisma to be to come in as the anointed go-to guy under center and lead a group of grown men, particularly ones that are trying to make a paycheck to feed their families, guys that are on their second-to-last or last contracts. It's really hard to win that locker room over. And so I think that if you have any sort of immaturity or any sort of naivety or any sort of non-just full-on bravado and presence, you're going to have a hard time. And Patrick Mahomes, he's an interesting guy because I think that he does have a certain level of charisma. He's also a little bit, uh, you know, he's not that edgy. He's a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. But he does ridiculous things on the football field, and that in itself will win, uh, win your teammates over. Deshaun Watson's had that maturity. He's had, I know he's in a, a, a world of scandal right now, but he had the maturity, the field general thing, the thing that you look for in a quarterback from the time he got to Clemson, and so you could see it in him. One guy that I've ta- that I, it kind of fits the mold of what I'm talking about that proved me wrong was Baker Mayfield. I didn't know how that shtick was going to work. I didn't know how the sort of edgy gunslinger, you know, smack talking, stabbing the flag in the middle of the field, yelling and screaming and hooting and hollering. I thought when he was a senior at Oklahoma, well, now you're the oldest guy on the team leading a bunch of youngsters. That stuff works great at that level, but can you transition into the NFL? I think it's why you see guys like Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan have more long-term success than other guys just because I think that their steady leadership style, their dedication to preparation showed through. They don't have to be uh, that gunslinger bravado guy. Then I also think, though, when you do try to be the gunslinger bravado type guy like Kirk Cousins, but you don't have the moxie, you don't have the talent, and it seems inauthentic, that's where you get into a really, uh, you paint yourself into a corner. And I know that anybody that listens to this show consistently, you know that Kirk Cousins I'm not in on Cousins. I I am not about Kirk Cousins. And it's not because I think he doesn't have talent. I think he's got 
pretty good talent. I think Kirk Cousins has the talent, the arm talent, the the experience to be, you know, a top half of the league quarterback. Certainly a guy that can get you to the playoffs. He's gotten the Vikings to the playoffs. But I don't think he can get you over the top. And it's not because of his arm. It's because of his inability to show savvy in late-game situations, and it's his inability to galvanize a team. Stephon Diggs wanted out because he did not want to play with that anymore. He was not into the leadership style. Say what you want. I mean, there's a reason Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins are bonded, and I think Thielen kind of buys into it. But then you have to build your whole culture around that sort of personality style, that sort of leadership style. I think that's going to leave a lot of guys on the table. I think that you're going to have a lot of guys that aren't into that. But we have seen guys come in and assume darn good leadership roles right away. I mean, Joe Burrow took the league by storm before he got hurt last year. So this brings me back around to the New York Jets. Zach Wilson has tremendous arm talent. Trent Dilfer, I heard call say he has the best arm talent in the entire draft, better than Trevor Lawrence, better than Justin Fields. That's amazing because Trevor Lawrence has a, a generational skill set, including his arm talent. But uh, a, a kid from BYU, okay, that's automatically a culture transition. You can call it what you want, but you got to call it like it is. He's coming from a place where sports dominate the campus life, but literally nothing else does. And he's going to New York City. How does the kid that's probably never been to a party where there's alcohol react to being dragged to the club? And who knows? Maybe he'll completely keep his nose clean. I'm not speculating on Zach Wilson's personal life or what he's going to do off the field. But it is an automatic transition that's going to be tough. It's not impossible, and it's not as if he's not equipped to do it. I have no idea. I don't know the guy. I think hardly anybody does. But it is a distinct deal when you go to the Big Apple and you're playing with dudes who are from totally different backgrounds, who prioritize totally different things. How do you react to the money, the fast cars, the diamond rings, all that stuff? How? Because you're going to be playing with guys that that is what it is about for them. It is about competing in every element of their life. It is about going to the club. It's about driving the fanciest car. It's about all of it. I, I'm just making an assumption, but I don't think Zach Wilson is going to be about all that stuff right away. So then what does he use to win the locker room over? I think you can. You totally can. And sometimes if you're the guy that goes down the rabbit hole of being the guy who's going to the clubs and partying and trying to impress your teammates, I think that's how you become actually Vince Young or Jamarcus Russell or Johnny Manziel. I think you can party yourself right out of the league. So I'm not saying I'm requiring this guy to party. All I'm saying is I just don't know how he is going to react to the big city lights of New York City, period. As broad as that sounds, that's what I am concerned about with Zach Wilson. And also, can they protect him? So I'm just I'm interested to see if he can have confidence on the field because of the weapons the New York Jets put around Zach Wilson. But also, what's the transition like off the field? I think that's another huge question mark for sure. We're going to talk more NFL draft as the week goes on, of course, because Sean Rainey will be back in the fold on Wednesday. Regime Seabrook is also going to have a lot of takes on the NFL draft as well. So stick it right here. It's Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Right after this, I'm going to take you around the wide world of sports, specifically touch on some NBA stuff, but also give you just an update on the calendar. What's going on on the professional level, the regional level, and the local level? We'll get to all that and more right after this. Keep it right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. 
The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home Monday. Hope you're having a great Monday. If you missed anything in the first hour and 20 minutes of this show, you can always find it on the podcast. Just search Nuanez now. That's N-U-A-N-E-Z. It'll get you there in any form or fashion on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. Or you can just visit our station website, 1029ESPN.com, and click on the podcast tab. Podcast is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, The Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Sports Bet Montana. Great show so far. Sam Herter, Hero Sports. Andrew Houghton, Idaho State Journal. Sean Rainey, SWX Montana. All kind enough to swing by. Tease for tomorrow. Krista Redpath and Justin Angle will both be our guests, as will Matt Ellis. That's our normal Tuesday segment featuring the Paddleheads, the Missoula Paddleheads, and all things baseball across the wide world of baseball. And uh, Krista Redpath, she's going to swing by because there's been five different coaching changes in Big Sky Conference women's hoops. So we will break down the Lady Grizz plus all the other new coaches in the Big Sky women's hoops, whether it's Mark Campbell at Sac State or uh, the new coaches at Portland State, Northern Colorado, and uh, everywhere in between. So stay tuned for that uh, tomorrow. That's a Tuesday. Now, what do you got coming up in your next segment here? I got a whole bunch of things. We're going to go real quick hitting just the results of some of the key sporting events that happened while I was gone. If you missed it, I've been on vacation. I know you missed me. Sam Herter even asked about the podcast. That made me feel good. The podcast will be back, and this show is obviously back as you are listening to it right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. But a couple of results to get through because we are winding down the traditional spring sports season. So Grizz Lacrosse, Tucker Sargent was in studio a couple weeks ago to give us a preview of the national tournament uh, over in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The Grizz Lacrosse team, one of four teams that went to the National Lacrosse Tournament. Uh, so they are already a Final Four finisher, but they lost a couple heartbreakers. Two-point losses to both North Dakota State and Missouri State. So a banner year for UM Lacrosse, one of the best years in the program's young history, uh, but disappointing, I'm sure, for Tucker Sargent and uh, his troops to come up shorthanded at the National Championship Tournament. But still, a great year for Montana that included couple wins in Fargo over NDSU, a couple wins over UNLV, and uh, good results all the way in between. So uh, shout out to our buddy Tucker Sargent. Great job by you. I know it's a strenuous time of year because of all the bus travel you got to do, but you guys did a great job, and it was, it was fun watching, fun following, and fun having you represent the University of Montana as well as the state of Montana as a whole. Speaking of Grizz Sports, the UM softball team, they had a great win on Friday over Weber State. Weber State is the is the, the power right now in, in Big Sky Conference softball. And Montana won on Friday. Anna Toon, the former Gatorade Player of the Year out of Great Falls, she hit a, a game-winning walk-off home run, and Montana won 7-6. That set the table for then if Montana was to sweep Weber 
in a Saturday doubleheader, they could have gotten as high as second place in the Big Sky Conference standings. Instead, they dropped a pair to Weber State on Saturday, which put them then in a fourth-place tie uh, in the Big Sky standings, and that means they will take take the sixth seed into um, the Big Sky Conference tournament, which begins Wednesday in Ogden, Utah. So we will have more coverage of that as well. Efforting Melody Michael, a head coach for the softball team, had to come on this show uh, before she before they leave. But Montana, the sixth seed, but they play a Sacramento State team that's a three seed. Uh, Sac State has lost 10 out of their last 12. So a spiraling Sac State team that did sweep Montana the regular season, but uh, has been not so hot as of late. So we'll give you more updates on Grizz softball as the week moves along. It's also Big Sky Conference track and field. It begins Wednesday with the multi-events, Wednesday and Thursday, and then Friday the full meet gets uh, underway that will also be in Ogden, Utah. So we basically have the epicenter of Big Sky Conference sports uh, in Ogden uh, for the next several days uh, throughout the rest of this week. So that will be fun as well. Efforting some uh, Montana and Montana State athletes to join us later on this week as well uh, here on Nuanas now to give you a preview of the Big Sky Conference uh, track and field outdoor championships in Ogden, Utah as well. Here's what we're going to do. I want to talk a little bit of NBA because we have been slacking on our NBA conversations. So we'll take one more break, and we'll be back with some of the storylines to watch, including a Celtic going down for the season when the season's almost over. That and more here on Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana TV. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Monday, everybody. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on ESPN Missoula. I'm Coulter Nuanez. You're listening to Nuanez now. It's 1029 ESPN. Or maybe you're watching on TV, SWX Montana TV. Missed anything in the show? You find it on the podcast, N-U-A-N-E-Z. That's how you're going to get there, all your podcasting platforms. Proudly presented by Blackville Communications, the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Sportsbet Montana. A lot of your guests today. Sam Herter, Hero of Sports, Andrew Houghton, the Idaho State Journal, swinging by to kick off our Big Sky Conference and FCS Beat Writers Series. We're going to be catching up with sports writers and, and uh, analysts from across the country, mostly Big Sky Conference, to sort of recap this spring season. Was it worth it? Was it not? Winners, losers, benefits, all that stuff. So Sam, stop by. Give us an update on the FCS playoffs. The national championship game for FCS football is on Sunday in Frisco, Texas. 
Number one, South Dakota State takes on number two, Sam Houston State. So we'll catch up with Sam a little bit later this week as well for a preview of that game. But uh, he broke it down in terms of how we got to this point, both from a big sky and national FCS level. Andrew swung by also to talk about Idaho State, and I thought they were one of the winners of the spring season because they got to get some reps for their new quarterback. They got to use it as a developmental time period, and they got to build some confidence even though they only went 2-4. and They were in some games. So I think that's the best-case scenario for them. But we will make the rounds with uh, some of the other Big Sky Conference beat writers, and so we will uh, keep you apprised of the schedule when it comes to that. And also had Sean Rainey stop by. Talk some NFL draft. We'll probably do some more of that later on this week. Quickly want to talk just a tad bit of NBA before we got to send you on the road and and, uh, wish you a good evening. We haven't talked as much NBA around here as we normally do or maybe that I would have liked, but it's been an atypical year where we've been inundated with sports, especially college sports at the local level, that we usually don't have. Usually right now it is softball and track season, but it's also not football season it's also not uh lacrosse season usually this time of year so it has been a a different deal trying to keep up with everything so i haven't talked as much nba but just a couple notes on the nba and the standings big news today jalen brown he is out with a season-ending injury he's got a left wrist injury and he'll have surgery so he is done for the playoff run for the boston celtics that's bad news for the celts because they've probably been one of the biggest disappointments, I would say, of this season. Boston right now sitting in seventh place. They're only uh, two games ahead of the Charlotte Hornets for the eighth spot. Remember now, this year there's going to have a couple play-in games for the playoffs. You're playing in to play for those seventh and eighth seeds. So Boston might be in that play-in game scenario. The other teams that are in that scenario right now, if the season were to end today, and by the way, the season does only have about a week left. The Celtics, the Hornets, the Wizards, Russell Westbrook, is just willing the Washington Wizards into the absolute heart of the playoff discussion. I know they're only 32-36, and 36, but they had a pretty slow start, and they've been playing really well. They've won seven out of their last ten. Westbrook's chasing this triple-double record. People can say he's chasing stats all he want. If you get 24 assists in a game, there's no way you can tell me that that does not make the rest of your team better, period. And if you happen to pair that with double-digit points and rebounds, you're absolutely making your team better. If you have 20 rebounds in a game as a guard, that's ridiculous, and you are you are for sure making your team better. So you can say stat chasing all you want. He's making the Wizards better, and they're in the playoff hunt. So it's the Celtics, the Hornets, the Wizards, and the Indiana Pacers that are potentially for that play-in uh, game in the East. And then in the West, it's the Lakers, which, surprisingly, that's because of Anthony Davis being out for an extended period of time, as well as LeBron James. But the Warriors, who I know nobody wants to play because Steph Curry is sizzling. He's flat cooking right now. They're also in that spot. They're in the eighth spot right now. Memphis Grizzlies, ninth. San Antonio Spurs are tenth. So uh, a lot to be figured out. I don't think a lot of people had the Philadelphia 76ers and the Utah Jazz as the top seeds at this time of the year. But they are. So we'll see. The Phoenix Suns also a big surprise. We're going to get more into the NBA tomorrow. Check back with us. 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Crystal Redpath going to join us for around the big sky and women's hoops. We'll also hear from Justin Angle. It is a business angle. 1029 ESPN Missoula. It's Nuanas Now. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, 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 oh,
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.